Welcome to our back porch. We are so blessed that you have chosen to join us. It is our prayer that God's word through us um, may become life-changing words to you through the power of the Holy Spirit. And as always, we would be honored to pray for you. And there are a couple of different options for you to submit prayer requests to us. The, the easiest way would be to go to the website m1bc.org and look for that need prayer button. But you can also find a similar button on our M1BC app. And then of course you can email us personally at freedomprayer at magnoliasfirst.org. Any of those ways, we would love to hear your needs and to have the opportunity to pray over you. So last week we talked about some of the ways that God shows his love for us. And those included the fact that he created us with great care and personal attention he made a plan for us before we were born. He knows us and he calls us by name. And he planned for our redemption in our eternity. Hmm. So today we ask ourselves the question, how do we respond to God's love for us? God's response to our sinful behavior is an outpouring of his grace and love and mercy, which are both extravagant and sacrificial. So his act of love toward us demands that we love him back in the same way. 1 John 4.10 said this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So how do we show love for God? Uh, we want to share a few practical ways that um, we can love God back uh, and also ways in which our love can grow on a daily basis. Uh, so let me pray for us before we begin. Oh, Father, thank you for your love that you lavish on us. We can't comprehend it and we do not deserve it. But help us to hear what you have for us today. Open our ears, Father. It is our desire to love you back in the ways that you deserve and in the ways that would honor you. And it's in your precious name that we pray these things. Amen. So to love God is to know him. The more you know God, the more natural it is for you to love him. Uh, just like any of your other relationships, whether with your family, your friends, or your significant other, the more you know them in a deep way, the easier it is to love them, the more natural it is um, to love him love them. So when you know the deep intricacies of God, it helps you to appreciate and love him more. So knowing God is more than just knowing about him, right? We can't know God in this deep and intimate way unless we spend time with him um, and allow him to show us who he is, whether that's um, through taking refuge in him when we are weary or afraid or whether that's seeking him when life is hard or even turning to him in celebration when things are good. When we nourish that relationship with, with the Father, with God, by spending time with him, then we know him, right? We don't just know about him and we love him as we get to know him. So cultivating a life of living in his presence is how we can truly know God. In Philippians chapter three, Paul uses the illustration of his own life, who he was, his status, his accomplishments, and even his former pursuits. And he uses those to compare 
how important it is to truly know God. So let's read Philippians chapter 3, starting verse 7. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. So understanding what Christ did on our behalf is the beginning of knowing him. So take time to... um, to tell the gospel to yourself, to really, truly understand what Christ did on the cross for you. And that alone will grow your knowledge of God, but also your love for him. And then verse 8 picks up. It says, Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. In verse 10, Paul says, I want to know him. And I really like how the Amplified version kind of expands on that, that simple phrase, I want to know him. Um, And it just says it in a way that's, that's pretty touching. It says, for my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I might progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. Knowing God is a process and it takes work, but it's so worth it. When we know God, when we really know him, it fills us with hope and confidence because we realize that he's greater than any situation that we'll encounter. Everything else is garbage compared to knowing him. So let me just pray this simple prayer from Philippians 3.10. God, I want to know you. We want to know you. We want more of you. Fill us with more of you, God putting everything else behind us, Lord, in that pursuit of knowing you. And we know that even this comes from you. Lord, it's not in our power, our strength, uh, but you reveal yourself to us. And so we, we just ask that now, that you would reveal yourself in deep and intimate ways to us so that we may know you more and more. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So to love God is also to put him first in our lives. Um, In Mark 12, 30, Jesus said, This is the first and greatest commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength is loving God with our whole being, spirit, soul, and body, heart, mind, and will everything about us. This means that not only are we loving God, we're loving God at all times. In those times that are hard, life is hard. In those times when we feel like he's not hearing us, uh, when he's not answering our prayer, those times we still are to be loving him with our whole being. So what God asks of us is to love him with our whole beings and then put him front and center in our lives and then trust him. So a thinking point for you is, are there things in your life that you can say that you love more than God? We have to nurture this love for God. Um, so that's a thought. That's something for you to think on. He doesn't want what's left over at the end of the day when we're tired and distracted. Uh, When we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, there is little space left within us for the world to crowd in. And it looks like this. When we are loving Him fully with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we acknowledge Him throughout our day. 
We talk with him. We think of him. We consider him. We consult with him. And so by the end of our day, we have spent a day with him. Uh, And that makes every bit of difference. He has become our all in all in every part of our life. So pray with me. Father, we just ask right now that you'd forgive us for the ways and the times that we have pushed you aside because things of the world have crowded in. May we love you and you alone with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, making you our all in all. Amen. So to love God is also to worship and praise him and him alone. In Luke 4, 8, Jesus replied, The scriptures say, You must love the Lord your God and serve him only. The book of Psalms is a book that is just rich in prayers of love for God. It gives us insight into how we can show God love through our worship, uh, through our praise, and through our thanksgiving. So we're going to do that now. I'm going to read a couple of psalms for you, and I want you to just kind of come into that place of worship and praising God as I read them. So close your eyes, uh, block out the distractions that are around you, and let's praise God with these words. Psalm 100. Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever. And his faithfulness continues to each generation. Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise his mighty heaven. Praise him for his mighty works. Praise his unequaled greatness. Praise him with the blast of the ram's horn. Praise him with the lyre and the harp. Praise him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise him with strings and flutes. Praise him with a clash of cymbals. Praise him with loud clanging cymbals. Let everything that breathes sing praises to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. So to love God is to love his word. We have talked about the gift that his word is to us. It's one of the ways that he shows us that he loves us. But reading and studying God's word is not necessarily the same as loving God's word. Again, just as we need to cultivate and nurture our love for God with our whole being, we need to cultivate this love for God's word. Um, So how do we learn to love God's word? Um, You could go to Psalm 119, and there are so many references to the beauty of God's word. It's such a great place to start. In verse 47, it says, How I delight in your commands. I love them. But let's get real. Sometimes we struggle with the decision every day to pick up our Bible and to read it. It's, we, are, we are human, and sometimes we struggle with that. Um, sometimes it's hard to keep our focus while we're reading, and you know what I'm talking about. Distractions are everywhere, and the enemy is determined to take you away from God's Word because there's power in God's Word. 
but my to-do list enters my brain. Uh, things around me it distract me. And so it's hard to stay focused. Um, and sometimes our reading of God's Word just feels dry. Sometimes we feel confused. So it's easy to get discouraged. And it is really easy to get disinterested in God's Word. But we want you to know that we can all learn to love God's Word. And I mean to love it as in to desire it and to have a hunger for it. Uh, So Eugene Peterson, I read an article written by him on how to make God's Word come alive. And he spoke of a spiritual practice called Lectio Divina, which really means spiritual reading. Um, But this practice has been used for centuries to help make the Word come alive for believers. And so we wanted to share that with you today. But first, let me just say, the first thing it takes is a commitment, a commitment to pick up your Bible and read it. Uh, And then it takes practice. It's not going to feel, perhaps it's not going to feel awesome in your first seven days. Perhaps it will just be routine, but stay at it. It takes a while to get into that groove. So those two things, commitment and practice. Uh, There are four basic components of the Lectio Divina. And the first is simply reading. So you choose a passage of scripture. Don't bite off a big chunk um, and stay with it. Read it. Read it thoughtfully. Read it thoroughly. Read it every day. As you read it, try to imagine the setting. Uh, Try to look into the stories, the conversations, the prayers, and allow yourself to become a part of what you're reading. Uh, So read this passage you've chosen every day, and it may go on for weeks and months, and continue to allow God to speak to you through that. So number two is thinking. Just letting the word settle in your mind. Um, It's taking the scripture and processing it. It's really soaking in it. And if we especially will read that in the morning, then throughout the day we come back to it. And, and God will bring it back. Allow it to marinate in your mind. And um, it will eventually in doing that it will become so enmeshed in your thoughts that conversations you have with other people uh, will include some of the scripture you've been reading. That's when you know that it's really soaking in your thoughts. And the fourth, the third, sorry, is praying. Start with praying God's word. Take that passage you're reading and pray it back to him. God's word plus prayer equals power. And then read the word and ask God to show you what he wants to, you to learn from this passage. Stay in that and continue to ask him. And then move past the um, thank you for this or that and help me to be a better person, routine prayers, and have a conversation with God. Such a great place to have a conversation with God right in his word. Uh, He so wants to talk to you about that. And then number four is living. And this is where the words of the scripture begin to shape our lives. If we read what God has written, if we think on what God has written, if we pray what God has written, and we don't allow it to change our lives, then we've missed the whole point. There's a familiar passage in James chapter 1 
that I, I like in a different translation that says, be doers of the word and not hearers only. And that passage goes on to say, if you are hearers only, then you are fooling yourself thinking that you're spiritual. Uh, so we have to absorb the word and then we have to live it out. And verse 25 of that James 1 passage says, but if you look carefully into the perfect law, which is God's word, that sets you free, and if you do what it says and you don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. That means your life has been changed by the word. The amazing thing about reading the Bible is that you're spending time with God. The reading becomes part of you. You're soaking in God's word, and that leads to living out those words without even thinking about it. And that means that you have allowed the word of God to change you. And God is loved and honored in that. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your word. What an amazing gift. May we receive it as that gift that you intended it to be for us. Your words, alive with your power and your wise counsel. May we find ourselves thrilled with your scripture and changed by it daily. Amen. So to love God is not only to love his word, but also to obey his commands. Um, Jesus says it really clearly throughout scripture. John 14, 15, Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commands. And then in John 14, 23, all who love me will do what I say. My father will love them and we will come and make our home with each of them. John 15, 10, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. And then in 1 John verse five, uh, chapter 5, verse 3, loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. So obedience is not rooted in legalism or religious requirements. It's not a matter of just following rules or performing good deeds. When we are confident in God's love for us, like we talked about last week, then we'll naturally want to obey his commands. Think about a kid, a child who has loving parents and he just wants to please them, right? He wants to do things um, that will make them smile at him or praise him or all of those things because um, it's just natural for him to want to please his loving parents. And that's how it is with God. When we understand that God loves us no matter what we do, there's safety there, there's security there, and then we just have that desire to please Him by obeying His commands. And, and that's how we show our love to God. So let me pray for us um, about that. God, we take joy in doing Your will, for Your instructions are written on our hearts. Lord, Your kindness leads us to repentance, and Your favor is our desire. We love you with our obedience. But again, we recognize that we are powerless um, to do this in ourselves. And we need your Holy Spirit to reveal those places of disobedience and to even change us, Lord. That again, it starts with your love and your love and your pursuit of us that allows us to obey you. And so we pray that today, Lord, that we would have a desire to um, to obey you, that your kindness would lead us to repentance and that your favor would be our desire. And those are the reasons that we would obey, Lord, not to check anything off of a box, not to 
um, fulfill anybody else's expectations or requirements, but we would obey because you commanded it and because we want to honor you and love you and please you. So we ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And so we take that desire to obey God and, and take that a step further. To love God is to desire Him, to yearn for Him. I love that word because I, I think you can feel uh, the, un, the, the understanding of that word is to long for the presence of God. And we have had conversations about God's presence and the beautiful gift that is to us. Um, but we get to a place where it needs to be natural that we are longing for God. And Psalm 42, 1, again, is a very familiar passage, but it says, Just as the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O Lord. May that be so for us. So a true desire for God means that we work at separating ourselves from the things of the world that are always attempting, and we know this, attempting to lure us away from the things of God. It is a constant battle. And so to have a desire, a yearning, and a longing for God means that we are working at separating ourselves from the things of the world that pull us away. So another thinking point is there's something that you desire more than God. That's a hard one, but we have to ask ourselves that question regularly because as the world creeps in, that changes. So like Mary of Bethany, I love this story. Her desire for Jesus is to sit at his feet and listen to his teaching. Such a beautiful picture of letting go of the other things, the things of the world, the things that just pull on us and nag us, uh, and letting that go and sitting at the feet of Jesus. Let me read to you that familiar story of Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10. Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he talked, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing she came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits there while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said, and may I say he said this in a gentle, loving way. My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all the details. What Jesus wanted from Martha was for her to be able to let go of those things and come sit at his feet. You are worried over all of these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken from her. There is only one thing, and Mary discovered it. That one thing was a deep desire to love God with all her heart, soul, mind, and strength. And a longing to sit his, at his feet and hear his message. I so want that. And may I say that I believe in this season where there is somewhat a pause in life is an awesome time to try to cultivate this desire. To spend time with Jesus to desire to, to do that. So let me pray for us. Lord, we just start by confessing all the ways that we have allowed other things to take over our lives. 
the other things that distract us and pull us away from you and really even steal our desire for you. We confess that to you and we ask your forgiveness for that. May our desire for you allow us to shut out the noise of the other things and move us to a desire to sit at your feet where you will quiet us with your love and you will fill us with your message. May that be a desire for all of us, Father. We would be changed because we would be in your presence. Thank you, Father, for your word and for these messages. We pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus. So, as you consider this week, ways that you can show love to God, I would encourage you perhaps to pray this prayer. Um, maybe when you get up in the morning, it's, it's again a familiar passage from Psalm 19 verse 14 that says, May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my God, my rock, and my redeemer. We pray that you will have a blessed week. Thank you.